0: So now the Shapiro brothers knew What was going to be happening to them So now we're holding the famous story Why they are so famous Till today So it was early Friday morning It was Chav Tes In 1839 The two brothers Began to Davin Shacharis Pouring out their hearts to Hashem And when the officers Entered their cell To take them to the public square To Pinchas had just put on the tefillin of Rabbi Utam. And he said, could you give me a few minutes Just to finish davening?" And the officers were positive That these two weak looking guys Are never going to survive The beating that's about to come to them And normally He would have granted Usually when someone's about to be put to death They have like a final request However, this time The officers, they In a very strong way removed the tefillin And led the brothers out to the square They're basically walking towards their own akeda. They're they're about to be slaughtered Kiddush Hashem Thousands of people were there to watch Some yidin also came They're there saying Tehillim All the gayim are there with big smiles on their faces In the center of the market stood two rows each row had 250 soldiers facing each other. And each soldier was a few steps apart from the next. And each one had a, a bloodthirsty look in their eyes that they're ready to beat these guys, no questions asked, with like enjoyment. Each one of them held a very thick, curved, wooden rod like, imagine like a baseball bat, but but not as uh, thick as a baseball bat, like thinner. Like, like uh, not as fat as a baseball bat would be. Um, and, and the point was that when the person would walk through, you get a whack. So when they arrived, the chief judge read out the decision out loud. And the Shapiro brothers would have to walk back and forth through this line three times, right? Because we said they... We're supposed to get 1,500 beatings So one time walking through There's 250 on each side So one time walking through is 500 So they have to walk back and forth three times And then he continued And if they survived right, The punishment's not over yet They would be sent to Siberia Together with their wives So Reb Shmuel Avram Abba One of the brothers He pretended that he didn't hear What the judge said so he asked the judge, could you please repeat it? And he motioned to a few Yidden who were next to him, could you listen to what he's saying? And basically everyone understood that what he wanted, because what did the punishment say? They're going to go to Siberia with their wives. Basically, get our wives out of here now. Like, Like, get them out. They are not going to survive Siberia. They thought they wouldn't survive the night, so, you know, it's not like a... And Taka, a few Yidin, they, they left the crowd and they quietly went and they warned the families, everyone get out of town right now, just go somewhere else, hide around forever for a few years, because you don't want to end up going to Siberia if, if they survived. Um, it's said that when the Shapiro brothers began walking towards the soldiers, a special niggin was heard from their lips, um, I, we know what the niggin is. I, I forgot it, but I, I heard it once before. Like it's a famous, not famous, but it's a, it's a niggin that people sing sometimes. Anyways, at that point, to everyone's shocked. The, the two brothers started fighting with each other. And the Shmuel Abba said, "I want to go first. I want to get beaten first." Said it's my right as an older brother. And Rapincha said, "No way," that he said. He's not going to survive the pain of seeing I'm not going to survive the pain of seeing my brother get beaten. And it's also possible, by the way, that the Pinchas, who was younger and stronger, said better they, that I should go first because whoever goes first is going to get beaten worse, right? Because and the, the soldiers have more kayak in the beginning, right? So he's, he maybe he was hoping that he would be his brother wouldn't be beaten as bad, which never happened, by the way. The Pinchas, the Shmuel woke up that evening, and the Pinchas only woke up the next afternoon, Shabbos afternoon. Um, so finally, the Shmuel Avramava agreed. And he let the Pinchas, the younger brother, go first you Can you imagine seeing such a fight like, Usually you fight uh, You go first No, you go first right? Instead they're fighting I'm going first No, I'm going it's, like it's not like you're waiting in line to get an ice cream The officers, they took off their upper garments So that their, their backs should be totally clear That nothing should be blocking And they agreed with his request That his yarmulke should not be removed and in order to prevent him from, like, picking up his hands to try to protect himself from getting whacked um, Or by bending down So they put two rifles were tied The two rifles were, were as tall as a man Right, so two rifles were tied Like, like this, so the person had to stand up straight and he, and, and he wasn't able to bend over um, Now you have two choices, either you could stand up straight or you could fall flat on your face on the ground there's no, there's no like going on your knees You're standing straight like a pencil You could move your feet a little bit just to walk But that's it And two officers basically would grab the rifles And they would pass them through Pass them through the, the row of soldiers to, Also to make sure that You don't want them running as fast as they could, right? Because if they run faster It gives less time to, for the beatings and through the whole time that Pinchas walked, standing straight, up tall, upright, his face was shining like the brightness of Shemayim. And as he was being beaten, he repeatedly said over and over, "He said, a person is obligated to thank Hashem for the bad, just like you thank him for the good." And it was evident. Everyone there that although his back was Getting beaten Like really bad His ruach Was given over to Hashem And as he walked through The, the blows just kept on coming on his back Causing um, A lot of times uh, The staff that they were beating him with Would crack Now why is that bad? Because Splinters now go into his back, As if it wasn't bad enough and I was uh, by Fabregas once recently. And i met a bucker there. I said, "How's it going?" He's like, "Okay." Like basically, not too great, right? When when someone says that, like, "How you doing?" All right. Usually they're they're too afraid to say like bad. So I said, "Okay, Baruch Hashem." And he goes, "Is it Baruch Hashem?" And I said, "Yes. You have to thank Hashem for the good as well as uh, for the for the." For the bad as well as the good, right? Usually, you don't have to say, How, how are you doing today? You don't have to always say, Baruch Hashem, good. Bad baruch. You're allowed to say, Baruch Hashem, I'm suffering a little bit these days. But you do have to say, Baruch Hashem, no matter what. Now, usually that, that's a hard thing to do. Right? If a person is suffering, it is hard to, to, to be like that. But he, he was being beaten non-stop. The thousands of people there, they couldn't believe what they were witnessing. Now, normally... When this punishment was ever done in the past and they witnessed it, within the first few seconds, the guy starts screaming of getting whacked in the back with a bat. <clears throat> and and uh, his head would hang down because he knows he's, like, he feels defeated and, and his, his, his spirit gets crushed. And sometimes the, the judges would instruct the soldiers, to, there were soldiers over there, to, to beat their drums so the, the screaming from the person getting tortured. And beaten Wouldn't be so loud um, But now They saw something Completely different He was walking through As if Nothing was happening Now clearly He was being beaten And he was he was Bloody all over Right It wasn't like Oh he felt no pain He did not scream out And only after Finishing the third Time Going One, two, three Did the Pinchas Collapse With blood Coming out from Many wounds all over his body, and the doctor, uh, assisted by some yidin who were there, they quickly wrapped him in icy sheets to, to numb it, and they rushed him to the hospital. Now, moving on to the Shmuel Avram Abba, uh, he also was led between the soldiers, and his body was beaten, and and with pain, with with hits, everything. But once again, to everyone's astonishment. <coughs> He didn't cry out <coughs> He didn't scream He didn't even sigh And the people were just mesmerized By the greatness Of these two brothers and, and they were so sure they said These can't be humans They're probably angels There's no way a normal person Could act like this in this way He said Malachim are by their backs Just cushioning the blows for them and as he walked through the, through, through, By the third time <clears throat> Even the Gayim were like Sitting there like You know they stopped cheering anymore Because they, they couldn't believe what they were witnessing And even they realized the righteousness Of these two brothers And suddenly The Shmuel Avram Abba Stopped now, just to make it very clear, I'm just going to say it very quickly There is a, a sort of a different sources for this story One of them has it that this story happened by the Pinchas And other places say it happened by both brothers But in the main source it says basically that it happened by the second brother, Reb Shmuel Maba That he stopped, he didn't fall, but he refused to continue And the two soldiers they attempted, that were walking with him, they attempted to pull him along and he refused to move Now of course, because he's standing there The soldiers who are right there with their bats They keep on beating him So he got a bunch of extra hits Um, But the the prisoner refused to move He just kept motioning with his head And the officer in charge He couldn't believe his eyes For a moment, he thought That the prisoner had lost his mind He's crazy But the way he was standing there Like proud and 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 even though they kept beating him, it, it convinced him that he wasn't crazy. And he then noticed that he kept motioning with his head, and he realized that Rashmul Avram Abba's Yamaka had fallen to the ground. And he would not even walk one inch without his head being covered. And even this officer, who I would imagine was not a nice man in the slightest, probably hated didn't <clears throat> But he even he recognized the greatness. Of this prisoner That Taka He was a, a right, A man of Hashem And he was so full of Awe And inspiration And admiration for him Not inspiration Admiration Like he admired him That he instructed The soldiers to stop beating for a second And he then bent down And personally picked up the yarmulah And put it on Rav Shmuel's head And only then signaling that the the beatings just continue. And th- this was the Kiddush Hashem. That his love and fear of Hashem was so great that he was willing to get a bunch of extra hits which by the way every, there's no Shiloh any Rav would tell you there's no way you have to stop in such a case to put on your yamaka Your life is in danger. You get out as fast as possible. Your yamaka is not important at this time But by him It was There's no way he's walking without a yamaka. As soon as Rav Shmuel Avram Abba Walked out from between the two rows of soldiers For the final time He also collapses on the floor He has no strength left Completely exhausted He was barely alive The doctors wrapped him in icy blankets also And, and rushed him to the hospital Now the The wounds that they both suffered were horrendous uh, There was barely a bone in their upper bodies That was not broken into many pieces their, the limbs, their limbs were disjointed Meaning their hand didn't look like a normal hand It was crooked in so many directions um, And just to even look at them People would look at them and faint Because it was like Who could witness such a thing? And um, it had Pinchas's wife. Actually, she saw her husband in the hospital. She collapsed when she saw her husband, and she died a few weeks later. It was it was the pain of seeing someone like this it was so painful. I know my my wife told me that she has a my, one of my nieces who Baruch Hashem is now married with children. Uh, she uh, she was born premature, meaning yeah. early, like she wasn't full nine months, right? So I asked, like, how big was she? It's like, this big, basically like half the size of what a normal baby would look like. I think she was like four pounds when she was born. Crazy low number. And my my mother-in-law, the baby's grandmother, goes to visit the baby in the hospital. She took one look at the baby and fainted on the floor. Right? Some some people are not cut out to to witness these things. Some people are stronger than others. Anyways, the point is that it was it was mamish. Uh, Grotesque and sickening sight to see These brothers beat up in such a terrible way And whoever heard About their their, their plight that they were suffering They tried to help them in any way possible And it's said that even the butchers in Kiev Who by the way had a very big reputation for being Mean and didn't care about anyone suffering They became so compassionate And they did everything possible to help the brothers so what's a butcher going to do? I'll tell you They would shecht They would they would kill whatever An extra lamb Even though the meat wasn't needed Necessarily And they would skin it right away And they would bring the skin Which was still warm Because it was just on the lamb To the brothers To wrap them in it Because it at that time The doctors believed that Wrapping someone in, in a warm Fresh uh, skin of an animal Would, would be beneficial uh, Today you will never I don't know if you ever see such a thing um, but the, the fact that they did it shows that they cared. The, the amazing faith of, of the Shapiro brothers inspired Yidin uh, f- from all over of that generation. They showed how a Yid carries themselves with pride. You stand up tall, even though they're being punished and they're made to suffer for the great sin Of being a Yid and printing Svarim What an Avera And even under the worst situation They didn't bow their heads They stood tall And proud Every Yid Was inspired to Copy this mindset in some way Even If it was on a much smaller scale Let's say they were facing some challenges or difficulties in livelihood, or, or anything else, they try to realize. Oh, you think I have problems? Think about them. I I, I know. I had a friend who, unfortunately, his uh, his father passed away many many years ago. But he, he never knew his father because he was so young when his father passed away. He never had. He never. He doesn't remember seeing his father even. So I was once complaining to him about something that was going on. He goes. My father died when I was six months old, and I'm like, okay, that stops my complaining, right? Like, like, oh, you think you have a bad, right? He said it in a way like, like he's ready. Like we're friends for a long time, but s- sometimes you have to realize when you when you're in a bad situation, what are you complaining about? <laughs> look, look at that guy over there. Like, you, you think things can't be worse? Let me tell you, they can be. Twelve years later, by the way, when the Tsar decreed that everyone, including Yidin were not allowed to wear a head covering. Unless they paid a fine There were tens of thousands of Yidin Who would not have paid the fine They would rather just Not wear special clothing Special clothing of Yidin But because of They were inspired by the story of the Shapiro brothers That That, that they, they refused to remove Their yarmulkes While they're getting beaten and, and one of them, or maybe both of them Depending on which story, which, which uh, source it is Um they were willingly got extra beatings just to keep on their yarmulke So they said, if, if they could take all these extra hits and beatings I could pay a few extra dollars and, and pay, the, pay the fine And this strength also helped them withstand the additional guidelines Which we'll learn about in the Tzamaq book That the Tsar tried to make in that time to weaken uh, Yadus, to weaken the Jewish observance children were inspired and by the way i hope this inspires you as well that if you're playing a sport and your yarmulke falls off i went to ta, TA, TA uh, uh, take off the yarmulke and they put it in their mouth oh and i saw another kid takes off his yarmulke he literally puts it in his uh, in his pocket when he plays basketball like you don't see that in the labava school right like i never saw such a thing even, sometimes the yarmulke falls off, and the kid might like put his hand, whatever. But like really, that even that should, you should stop what you're doing. Ah, you're gonna get out. So, it's called it's called the sacrificing something for the there. He sacrificed getting an extra few bu- uh, hits in the back. You'll sacrifice scoring. And if and if you take and lose a game because of it, don't say it wasn't fear. I had to pick up my yarmulke. You say now I showed Hashem. That I'm able to sacrifice something for him Anyways Nothing Was more important When the children heard this Than showing their love for Hashem And people would say If the Shapiro brothers accepted extra beatings In order not to remove their yarmulke So I could stop in the middle of what I'm doing To pick up my yarmulke No one removed their yarmulke Before going to sleep And some people even trained themselves To put their yarmulke back on If it fell off in the night You train yourself When my father Became Lubavitch And he went to Masifta And he was in the dorm over there And Rabbi uh, Rabbi Tenenbaum Was the principal At that time This is uh, the the Yitzi Tenenbaum's great grandfather And he asked him, so my, my father grow, grew up you, you, don't, you don't sleep with a yamaka. You put the yamaka next to your, like on the night table And in the morning, the first thing you, you put in your yarmulke. <clears throat> But when he became a little babbage You sleep with the yarmulke, of course So he asked uh, Rashi, he goes, I don't Hashim How do you keep the yamaka on from falling? It's like I, I, I try sleeping with it Every morning I wake up, it's, uh, it's on the other side of the bed So he said This is what, this is my, 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 what he tells my father if you really care about it You'll make sure it stays on your head when My father told me Mamish since then He hasn't had trouble Keeping his yarmulke on his head Now what you could do by the way For younger people You can get uh, sleeping yarmulkes And stuff like that That they have uh, like the nachman stuff Pins is hard because if you're sleeping it's gonna it might hurt you but, but they, they have, like, some people also take the liners of hats That they, the one that, the, the, the silk piece that's inside of a hat yeah. So that also fits very nicely on a lot of heads And that's not going anywhere um, Anyways, going right there <coughs> <coughs> um, They would also wear, they wouldn't just wear tiny little yarmulkes, you know, and they go BIG yarmulkes Especially at night, the bigger the yarmulke, the harder it is to fall off. Um, wearing a yarmulke under any circumstance was, was was considered of utmost importance. And if a person was in a situation where an activity, whether it's work or not work, that it that it involved you removing your yarmulke, the decision was I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to take off my yarmulke just because of this situation. So when we used to go and camp, I don't know if they still do it anymore, the, the water parks, right? And uh, they, rent out, they rent out the water park to all the Jewish boy camps in the, in the same day, right? So this way it's only boys. And all the lifeguards are males. And um, right, so the, all the Lubavitch camps, they walk around with yarmulke and tzitzis, right? And the, the non-Lubavitch camps, uh, the non, we'll say the non-Chassidic ones uh you know well now do they have to walk around with the yamaka and no, it's a, it's a place of uh, swimming and stuff like that you don't wear a yamaka when you're in the pool right um but for us it was like a sense of pride like of course you're going to wear yamaka and tzitzis, right and you have to walk around the park you know yarmulke, tzitzis. Yarmulke, tzitzis. and uh yeah so hopefully this story Next time, if you're ever playing or any doing anything and Yamaka happens to fall off You don't keep playing You don't put your hand on your head and keep running And then you go run back and get your yarmulke after Stop Pick up the yarmulke and keep going I was once playing baseball when I was in Marstown And I was running from first to second and my yarmulke falls off And the guy was by... Uh, the guy was by, I was trying to make a, a, a double, basically. Because I hit the ball and I passed first. And as I was going a little past first, my yarmulke fell off. Now, if I would have kept running to second, I would have gotten out. Because the second baseman caught the ball, like he got the ball. And I would have just ran it to him. But then I stopped to pick up my yarmulke and I bent down. So he thought I was running back to first base. So he throws the ball to first base. Now the first baseman missed the ball and went flying past him. So after I picked up my omicle, I man, I ran all the way to second base, right? Sometimes that's what happens. And we will continue the story tomorrow because it's not over. There's a whole process of, of how they got better, in, if they got better.